Nearly one in five students report being bullied in school. For resources to help you identify the signs and prevent bullying, visit k12.com safety. With cyberbullying, it's harder to escape, right? In the sense that when I yeah. was bullied in middle school, uh, you know, I could go home and I was protected at home for, you know, 12 yeah. hours or whatever. Now, kids go home, they have their devices, they got their apps, and they're, they're accessible around the clock. According to the Cyberbullying Research Center's 2021 study, 45% of middle and high schoolers in the U.S. had been cyberbullied in their lifetime. 14% of those students even admitted to cyberbullying someone else. As our youth interact on social media platforms, popular games or chat functions, and video sharing sites, cyberbullying has never been more widespread. What makes cyberbullying unique, and why is it a concern for schools? How does it affect students' ability to learn and feel safe at school? And how can we be proactive in preventing cyberbullying among students? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Dr. Justin Patchen to find out. Dr. Justin Patchen is a professor of criminal justice at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. His research is on the intersection of teens and technology with a particular focus on cyberbullying. Dr. Patchen co-founded the Cyberbullying Research Center in 2009 to provide up-to-date information about adolescent use and misuse of technology, particularly related to social interactions. And for over 20 years, as an author, blogger, and advisor, he has advised countless individuals who work regularly with today's youth. He joins us now to share how we can protect the safety of our young digital citizens. Justin, welcome to the show. Happy to be with you, Kevin. Thanks. So I really want to talk about your work in the area of teens and technology and their social interactions on the Internet and the like. But in looking at your background, I was intrigued by the fact that you had uh, some relationship with the FBI as a futurist. Talk a little bit about that. Well, going way back, I've always been interested in working with young people, working with kids and I uh, went to graduate school um, to study kind of juvenile delinquency prevention. A number of years later, I'm, I'm doing my research on kind of what teens are doing online and, and some of the good and some of the bad. And I made some connections within the FBI, and they were also interested in this work as well. And so um, they had a program with the Behavioral Analysis Unit uh you know, 15 years ago, uh, and it was, you apply to be a futurist in residence. And essentially, it's like a visiting scholar with the FBI uh, at their, you know, training facility in Quantico. And so I applied basically saying, you know, some of these online behaviors were kind of the future of what, uh, you know, people are going to have to deal with. And, and I got selected. And so I basically spent a year working with the FBI, um, in the National Academy and doing some some teaching and some research uh, about my interest in cyberbullying and sexting and sextortion and some of these kind of emerging issues, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Um, so it was it was definitely an interesting, interesting experience. Talk about being ahead of your time. I mean, you were talking about this stuff 15 years ago. Um, 
do you feel like uh, in many ways you were right, but it's sad you were right that this has become such a prevalent issue? Well, you know, I, I am a, a criminal justician by training, and so I work in the criminal justice system, but I'm interested, you know, I teach in the criminal justice system, and I'm interested in kind of teen technology issues. So uh, the bottom line is I've got good job security, right? <laughs> One way or another, there's going to be bad <laughs> things happening that I'm going to be interested in. So I, I first became interested in kind of the cyberbullying and the, the tech issues, uh, in 1999, and it was when I met my research partner, Samir Hinduja, at Michigan State University. Many parents and school leaders know about cyberbullying, but I'm often surprised by the fact that even though they know about it, they don't know the depths of it. And they don't know how prevalent it is. I think everybody's heard the term cyberbullying, uh, yes. but they don't, like you said, they don't necessarily understand the full depths of, of what it involves and how uh, prevalent it is. Uh, and so we, we know that probably a third of middle or high school students have experienced cyberbullying at some point in their lifetime, about you know, 15% have experienced it in the most recent 30 days. We know that it, it the, the behaviors range from hurtful comments to threats to posting pictures online. Um, the behaviors don't change all that much while the platforms and games and apps do evolve over time. And it is really hard to keep up with, with that side of things. Uh, but typically the the teachers or parents who are most knowledgeable about these issues are fortunately the ones that have had to deal with pretty significant incidents. And so that's how you learn a lot about it is when you get thrown into uh, a pretty serious case of it. Now, cyberbullying, I'm going to ask a simple question now. How do you distinguish it from bullying that happens in a classroom? Well, there are certainly more similarities than differences, and most of the time there is a connection. Um, a lot of the times when we talk with kids about this, the ones who have been cyberbullied have also been bullied at school, hmm. uh, and sometimes by the same kids about the same kinds of issues. I mean, bullying, no matter where it's happening, is a relationship issue, right? And so uh, a lot of times when you're talking about kids, the, the relationship stems from something in the classroom or at the school uh, or within their social network somewhere, <clears throat> and then it spills over online. Sometimes it happens opposite of that, but not as, it's, it's very rare for kids to have only been cyberbullied. Uh, usually they've got some bullying going on at school as well. So the, the main difference is the medium, right? There are some unique attributes in the sense that with cyberbullying, it's harder to escape, right? In the sense that when I yeah. was bullied in middle school, uh, you know, I could go home and I was protected at home for, you know, 12 hours yeah. or whatever. Now kids go home, they have their devices, they got their apps and they're, they're accessible around the clock. And the essence of cyberbullying really involves the use of technology and there are different means, uh, you know, where technology comes into play. Like even on Instagram or some of these uh, Snapchat or some of these other social media platforms, students are able to be a little more sophisticated with the bullying by using emojis or drawings or what have you. So talk a little bit about how technology, as it's evolved, has actually contributed to the cyberbullying or at least the depths associated with cyberbullying. Yeah, right. It's, it, technology has certainly made bullying easier, right? More accessible to some okay. people. I mean, you might have a situation where uh, you know, I don't like somebody 
uh, but I don't feel confident enough to go up to them and tell them I don't like them, but I'm more than comfortable to type something, you know, on a social media platform or in a text message, especially since you have the capability of doing it somewhat anonymously or, you know, with a fake name. Um, and it, it does, it, the tools do make it easier. So let's talk about the Cyberbullying Research Center that you founded. Talk about why you founded it and what its mission and goals are in terms of addressing this issue. We, we make ourselves available uh, as much as we can. And again, we're a two-person operation, Samir and I, and so it, you know, it, we sometimes get overwhelmed with the, the requests, but we do our best to, to help anybody who reaches out you know, who's dealing with these issues. You know, as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, studies show that clearly bullying in any form, including cyberbullying, impacts on students' ability to learn and do well in school. Uh, but then there's also, with the increase of mental health challenges we're seeing in our schools, uh, the increase in, in suicide and suicide attempts, uh, it all interrelates. So talk about today's reality for many students and the impact social bu bullying has, I mean, a cyber bullying has on all these things. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There, there's a lot of stuff going on in the lives of kids these days. And no doubt, a lot of mental health challenges, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. And some of that is related to bullying and just other societal, cultural issues that are going on. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work uh, examining, exploring the connection between bullying and cyberbullying and some of these problems, whether it's, you know, suicidal ideation or um, other mental health issues. And we know they're related. We know that there's definitely a correlation there. We know that a lot of kids, um, you know, skip school because of their experience with bullying and or cyberbullying. We know, we've interestingly, a few years ago, we found that we asked kids whether they felt safe at school. And among the students who had never been bullied and never been cyberbullied, over 95% said they felt safe at school. When among the kids mm. who had been bullied at school, about three quarters of them, so about 75% said they felt safe at school. But among the kids who had been cyberbullied, only about half said they felt safe at school. So that was kind of an interesting finding for us. The kids who had been cyberbullied yeah felt less safe at school and that we assumed it would have been the ones who had been bullied at school that would have felt left less safe at school. But after sort of digging into the data and talking with kids and you know, they said, look, at least when I'm bullied at school, you know, I know who to avoid. And I know that, you know, this person, yeah, I got to keep away from this person. Bad things are going to happen. When I'm bullied online, a lot of times I know who's doing it, but I'm not necessarily sure who's doing it. I don't know who else seen it. And so I have to constantly look over my shoulders and it just creates more fear. So uh, it definitely does impact the student's ability to learn and feel safe at school. I wanted you to talk a little bit about uh, best practices and what various stakeholders should be doing to, one, uh, prepare for the likelihood of, of cyberbullying in a school and how to uh, address it. And we, we talked about parents. Do you have particular advice for parents who feel like their children may be bullied or cyberbullied? Well, we could spend multiple episodes uh, talking about just this, that question, because those are all really great questions. And yeah, we've written several books <laughs> to try to yeah, cover all yeah, those issues. But yeah. I can I can boil my answer down into one word and then expand upon that. And that word is relationships. Okay. 
That word is relationships. Uh, it's you keep huge. saying relationships. I know because it's hugely important, right? And yeah, uh, I think yeah. the relationship we have with our kids and the relationship we have with our students is hugely important because odds are they're going to experience bullying of some of some kind in their lifetime, or at least some conflict or drama. And we want to make sure that they're uh, comfortable turning to us if it gets to the point where they can't handle it. We don't want them to get so desperate that, you know, they skip school or, you know, really bad things happen. So we want to be there for support and don't want them to have to deal with it alone. We, we honestly, at the same time, we shouldn't step in and solve all of their little problems, especially relationship problems. They got to learn how to work through that too. But the relationship we have, so I'll give you a couple examples. So from a parenting standpoint, you know, making sure we communicate with our kids, uh, making sure they, you know, feel comfortable turning to us if they run into trouble online or at school. A lot of times they're afraid if they report to parents that um, that they're being cyberbullied, that the parent will respond by taking away the technology. Well, if you're being bullied on Snapchat, we'll just don't go on Snapchat, right? So I think it's important for us parents to be, you know, reasonable and understanding and put ourselves back into the position of what it was like to be an adolescent, right? And these things mm -hmm. happening and support them um, in, in whatever needs to happen. Uh, and so that, that relationship is hugely important. Now, transitioning that or looking at that from the school perspective, we've done a lot of work. We've wrote a book about school climate and school culture and cyberbullying and, and other online behavioral problems. And we think that the culture of the school is, is hugely important as well. What we want is the kind of school environment where bullying just doesn't happen. That's not what people do here. You know, bullying happens somewhere yeah. else. Or if bullying behaviors do occur, the, the classmates step up and, and say, that's not cool. That, that's not how we do things. So again, it's the relationship that really uh, has an impact on these behaviors. And so uh, a lot of it stems from that in cultivating positive relationships at school, in the family. Uh, maybe it's you know, a relationship in a sports team or a faith community. Uh, I think all kids need positive relationships with peers and adults to help navigate the challenges that are coming up uh, in adolescence, especially bullying, whether it's online or offline, is largely a relationship problem. A lot of kids hesitate to inform parents about what's going on uh, for a host of reasons. Uh, how can parents best stay on top of the issue without feeling like, without having their child feeling like that they're just this overseer who just yeah. won't let them breathe? There's that delicate balance there. It is. Yeah, it's tough. And I think it does. It depends on the kid and it depends on their age. It depends on a lot of factors. Uh, I wrote a blog post a while back talking about my my experience. So I have a, a 12 year old son, and of course he's my number one research subject uh, when it comes to these issues. Uh, so for years, when I would uh, pick him up from school, uh, I would ask him how his day was, and you know even when he was in kindergarten, first grade, you know how was your day, and was there any bullying, right? You know sort of this conspiratorial tone. Uh, and, you know, because daddy needs some research content, right? And so for years, I would ask him that, like, nearly every day. And and, and then once he started getting into upper elementary, early, you know, mid, middle school, he'd start rolling his eyes. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's come on. Well, then one day, you know, I hadn't asked him in a while, and I picked him up, and he said, you know, some silence. He said, well, what, are the, what is the thing you usually ask me? And I said, well, how was your day? And he's like, okay, yeah. And what else do you ask me? I said, 
was there any bullying? And he, and he handed me a note that there had been some bullying at school that wow. day. And he wasn't directly involved. He had just observed it. And he, he actually wrote it down. And, it, the, and I actually have the copy of it somewhere. For Dad About Bullying. And he wrote down like a long paragraph. I think he was in fifth or sixth grade wow. at the time. Uh, and he detailed what had happened. And it was his classmate and what his teacher had done. And how, and he felt good about how it, was, how it was handled. The point is, I had those conversations over and over again over time, starting at an early age, to prepare him for coming to me, turning to me if something bad happens. We have to start early to open up those lines of communication. Uh, and you're totally right about the the balance and not you know forcing it too much. And you got to find the right time. You know, don't do it when they're overwhelmed and you know don't have homework done and hungry. And find those quiet moments where they're you know they're accessible to you and just ask the question. I mean, parenting is hard. Whether it's bullying, cyberbullying, or you know, other you know challenging issues we want to make sure our kids know that we're there for them no matter what happens and you know communication i think is key and it's very true so one last question this is what i really want to know the question is how can in this current environment parents and educators work better together to curb the growth of cyberbullying and other online risks what are some of the things they can do together in spite of the challenges and the resource deficits. Kevin, I'm gonna go back to the two words I have been uh, going back to the whole time we've been discussing, and that's communication and relationship. Parents alone can't deal with it either, because a lot of times the consequences are happening in the classroom. So I think we need to get everybody on the same page. Uh, and that means mm. you know meetings between educators and parents, even something as simple as uh, the school reviewing its bullying policy and seeing if it mentions cyberbullying, making sure that the, the parents are aware of what the policy is and know where to turn to if they're child is being bullied or cyber bullied what you know is it the principal is it a counselor who do they talk to uh what information does the school need to address it in terms of usually there has to be some connection some nexus to the school some impact at school so what can parents do in terms of documenting um you know the challenges that their their child is having at school as a result of the bullying so the more that parents and teachers can work together to solve these problems the better uh it sounds great you know in theory but in practice it's just so hard because of everything we talked about in terms of, you know, the the resource, the lack of resources, and just the expectations that are placed on uh, educators, but also the the amount of, of things that parents have to do in a given day as well. So it is challenging, but that's that's really the the ideal is to get pe- get the parents and teachers on the same page, rowing the boat in the same direction. Communication, relationship building, it's the essence of education. Frankly, we need more of it in other areas as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, Justin Patchen, thank you so much for joining us on What I Want to Know. I appreciate it, Kevin. It was great chatting with you. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education. And write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.